Ultra. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 99, which starts with Sam nodding sadly, and ends with Gollum saying, must have the... And we'll figure out what he must have tomorrow. tomorrow. Though, I'm sure we all already know. Don't you know who you sound like? And then the next line of dialogue is from Gollum. Oh, I didn't catch that. That's, yeah, I like that transition. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's pretty artful. It re- works really well. Because then we, because we haven't heard Gollum, we haven't heard Gollum be like this in a while. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool little segue that one, like, helps build some of this paranoia from the ring working on Frodo's mind directly into like a really meaty Gollum scene. Mm. And it's a pretty, it's a really effective segue given what the result of this Gollum scene is because a wedge is being driven between Frodo and Sam. And this scene is about the wedge between Smeagol and Gollum. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, at the end of last minute, Frodo kind of snarls and he's just like, what do you know of it? Nothing. It was my task. My own. Well, no. I mean, like, what do you know of it? Nothing. And then he, oh, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. apologizes. He's he's trying to he's trying to be a good friend. And then Sam is just like, well, I know what I know what it is. Like, it's the ring. Obviously, it's the ring, Sam. But. But he like that's what I was saying yesterday. Like he notices all of these things and he notices the ring working on Frodo, but he doesn't take it to the next step and until right here. But but then he still isn't willing to believe that Gollum is redeemable and he doesn't think that Frodo is beyond redemption. Like the the wall here from this point forward isn't that Sam can't see that like Frodo could become Gollum. It's that he doesn't see that there's anything left in Gollum that can be redeemed, but Frodo is still Frodo. Oh. So... Like, this is the point. I think that this conversation is where Sam realizes that Frodo can become Go- can become something like a Gollum. But he's still not willing to give up on Frodo. But he's already made the decision to give up on Gollum. He's like a foregone conclusion. Right. Like, it, it's... That's beyond him at this point. He's already given up on Gollum. He's not gonna... He doesn't see Gollum as redeemable. So it literally takes Frodo saying my own. Talking like Gollum for it to like finally really click for Sam. Okay. Which, I mean, makes sense to me. You want to see the best in your friend right up until like they prove to you that it's that like they are becoming something else. Right. And Sam, Sam is trying his best. Like, I mean, he pays attention to Frodo. Right. Like, you know, you're barely sleeping. You're not eating. He's like, calling he... Frodo out. Yeah. When he needs to be called out. Yeah. I mean, he's trying to... And he's saying this from a place of, like, 
you know, I notice all these things and I want to help you. You have to let me. And Frodo lashes back out at him again. Yeah. And then he uses the same language that Gollum uses. Right. And then he storms off and the next thing we see is Frodo clutching the ring and starting to hear Gollum speak mm-hmm. when they're when they're making camp after they've made camp. Yeah, because they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. I, it is a really effective transition. I think it really gets across like what this moment is. And this moment flows into the next one mm. in a way that's not necessarily like immediate obvious, immediately obvious until you start to break it down. Right. And I think that's cool. I like it when scenes like really, like really tightly flow like that. And I mean, most movies do it a little here and there. So you can usually find a moment where it's just like, oh, this scene was like a mirror of this one. Right. And I, I always like finding those moments, especially when they're not, like, super obvious. Like telegraphed. Right. Like, this one is just a really neat, like, transition scene, because they're really the most important thing that happens in regards to, like, this conversation and the one that is about to start is really in the one that's about to start. Mm-hmm. So this was, a, like, this is a little bit of setup. But this is also set up for a moment that has a payoff, like, in movie three. Is it? This, these pair of scenes and, like, the way that Frodo, Sam, and Gollum are all starting to interact has a payoff in movie three where Gollum frames Sam for eating all the food. And, like, the wedge is finally driven. Oh. Like, so this is set up for something three hours from now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't even remember that scene. It's been a while. Right, We're like in that's the when trenches the trenches of two towers. Right, because like that's the moment when the hammer finally falls on all the work that Gollum has been doing to try to separate Sam and Frodo. It's when it finally happens. Oh, I see. And like this is us getting a tease at like that eventual split, and we'll get. I think we get another one in this movie too. Um. But by the at the end of this movie, they're all good again. Like they're they're all honky dory. Right. And then across movie three, they get movie three, they get more and more strained until that split happens. But this was just a tease for that. It's laying the groundwork for Yeah, you gotta you gotta kinda build to that moment because one, it's like not really something it's not like something that happens in the book where like Gollum steals the food. Mm-hmm. And, like, two, it's going to be a big shock to, like, movie-going audiences that have read the book and movie-going audiences that haven't. So, like, you you have to build to a moment like that. Like, just pulling the trigger on it, like, out of nowhere would feel really feel stark. Yeah. But, like, building the paranoia into the narrative like they've been doing since, since Frodo first started really carrying the ring since Rivendell, like, mm-hmm. it really works by the time that moment happens. That makes sense. So, like, the first part of this, before the transition, is groundwork for a payoff much later. Whereas, like, what is about to happen is payoff for the climax of this... It gets paid off by the climax of this movie. Because we see the Gollum and Smeagol split. Right. And then by the end of the movie, they reconcile. Spoilers. Right. Spoilers. So, like... We see a split and a reunion, 
Whereas with Frodo and Sam, we see the beginning of a split. The cracks. Yeah. I think that's cool the way these two scenes play off each other. Well, it's interesting that Frodo and Sam are are splitting because of Gollum and in a roundabout way Smeagol and Gollum have are, are will be splitting because of Frodo. Right. Like Sam is not the cause of either of these problems. Right. And the reason that they Smeagol and Gollum reconcile as you're saying later on is because of again, not Frodo's fault, but in a roundabout way, it is because of Frodo's It's the, it's the way Smeagol sees Frodo. Yeah. Yeah. Because in in a lot of ways, there wasn't really much that Frodo could have done about what happens at the end of this right, movie. Right, right. Like, his, his, his protestations would have been meaningless in the... In, before Faramir, who didn't really care what he was saying anyway. Yeah. I am not looking forward to watching that scene... Right, because it's pretty much a whole minute unto itself, I'm pretty sure. Just, I'm not a fan of Gollum beating, getting beat up. Hmm. Right, like, it's different, like, watching him fight Frodo and Sam, because they're the same size. But, like, well, watching a, a human being... There's a difference between watching them tussle and watching him get, like, beat up. Yeah, but I think, like, even watching... Like, Gollum and a human being fight, and Gollum not be, like, bound or held, would also kind of feel really uncomfortable, because he's half the size of a person. But even... Because it, it looks like someone beating up a kid? I don't think so. I mean... Granted, a scrappy, emaciated gray child. He would, would just be, like, spindly, and he would have a, an advantage. I don't know. Because he's, he's quick. He would just run away, I think. Because, like, part of the thing in the books for Gollum is that he never fights a goblin flat out. Like, he hides and waits, picks them off when they get hurt by other goblins, fall off a ledge in the Misty Mountains, fall off a bridge, or is able to sneak up on them when they're by, their, when they're by themselves and mm-hmm. kill them quickly. Like, yeah. he doesn't do direct confrontation. Yeah. Like, Gollum has a very strong flight instinct. That is how he has survived so long. That's fair. And why he has no interest in tussling with anything openly. He's just like, nah, I'm good. I used to have a magic ring that turned me invisible. It made this way easier. (laughs) Wonder what could have happened to that. I'm gonna go find it. Backends... But yeah, I, I think that this is a this is a really neat transition. This might be one of my favorite like transitions from one scene to another so far that we've been talking about because it's a it's a little thing. It's very subtle. I don't know that it's subtle. I think it's 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 not like obvious, but it's not subtle. It just is. Well, because it gives you a nice long quiet pause before Gollum starts talking. Yeah. So like it gives you just enough time to like forget. The context of that previous line. I guess if you were reading the script, it would be more stark. Right. Because 
the it would end on the question like, don't you know who you sound like? And then there would be like the break and then scene or like exterior, right. whatever. And then it or would like be like pan away from the ring in Frodo's hand or whatever. Yeah, it would be like a few lines of description and then you would have the next line of dialogue be Gollum. Right, like the next thing you would see for a character name would be Gollum. Yeah. And then his line. Right. Yeah, but like in the on film the the score goes kind of quiet. We kind of we get to night noises. There's that shot of Frodo's hand and then we hear Gollum speaking before we see him. Mm-hmm. I would say it's relatively subtle the way it's portrayed, like the way that it's put together. That's kind of like the the so bright, so beautiful thing too, because we see, we hear Gollum, we hear Gollum talking about the ring before we see him, and yeah. once again, Frodo is like has it in his hand. Right, but like, but I mean that that's a much more like direct thing that like the the movie is doing. Right, right, right. Because the Gollum and the ring are like so tied together. And we do hear Gollum while looking at the ring in this moment too. Mm-hmm. And I think that might that might kind of distract from like what Sam just said. Like we see the ring and hear Gollum and the first thing we think of is like, oh, Gollum's a bad dude. It's not like, oh, Sam's calling Frodo Gollum. Like you and you hear the theme that like the, the music that comes in, like it puts you in the mindset to be ready for a Gollum scene. And there's that pause that kind of lets you forget we were just dealing with Sam and Frodo. It has that little, there's that, that quiet little moment, I think is just enough to separate it, mm-hmm. that it might not be super obvious, and it's definitely not in your face. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know, I really like it. I think it's really cool. Mm. I think even though you don't necessarily pick up on that transition, though, like, it's pretty explicit as to what, like, who Sam is talking about. Right. Like, the... The implication is not at all subtle, but I think the tra- the transition itself is. Yeah. So it just underscores that. Yeah. Without, like, really slapping you with it in the narrative. Hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Got there. I'm super excited for tomorrow. Right? I don't know if I have any other notes for this one. I like the way that Frodo's kind of stomps away, but it's, like, splashy stomping. Yeah, I like the, the <laughs> I like the range of emotion across last minute and, and this minute with Frodo, like the in and out of like this paranoid anger. Yeah. Cause when he apologized, he's like so tired. Yeah, like he, he he slips into regret over having just said what he did and like genuinely tired and worn out from, you know, the whole experience and then it bubbles back up when Sam tries to confront him about being obsessed with the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare you tell me what I need to do? I already know what I need to do. And then he stomps off very in a very petulant manner. And Sam is just kind of like, well, fine then, be that way. I like the, the way that the light shines through his cloak too Mm. like i've noticed that those cloaks even though they're made of wool and they look quite heavy in some scenes but they're pretty translucent in others 
like they're not very thick. Yeah, bright lights go right through them. And I really like that about the nonsense magical cloaks. It gives them an, a, a like an ethereal quality. Yeah. Like it 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 kind of pegs them as visually distinct from other capes or clothing that we see in the movies. Right. Because I mean, they're supposed to be magical oh, yeah, elvish. Yeah. There's something magical about them. So the fact that light passes through them like this and they also can like create an illusion to hide is mm-hmm. like a cool little visual tie together for me. Yeah. It's really apparent when he stomps away because you can see the sun like straight through it. Mm. Yeah, I'm uh That's all I gotta say about today, really. I'm really excited to talk about uh Probably the most iconic individual, like, character scene from this movie. I think from the whole trilogy. Yeah, it's it's super iconic. And everywhere. Yeah, for real. We have another Friday guest. Yep. Yeah, because non-traditional guest structure. These, these scenes fall fell on a Friday, so what can you do? Yeah. You know, really into talk about them, so... It's always good to have a passionate guest about a particular scene. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you want to continue to contribute to the conversation, uh, maybe talk about what scenes are your favorite or if there's any other interesting transitions in the movie, uh, check out our Facebook listener group, Fellowship of the Mic. And also you can uh, visit us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review or on the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. Hope everyone has a great Thursday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about golf. Bye.